Okay, Rob, so we're live. Nice. Um, well, hopefully, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, right, knock wood, yeah. Yeah, history of um, this being the time that the technical difficulties come in and the sort of RoboCop voices going in and uh, the delays <laughs> and stuff. But so far, so good. Yeah. Um, so, how you been, man? Oh, dude, it's that is a... That's a short question, but I can give you a years long answer. So I'll just, uh, you know, in the interest of brevity, just say, oh, yeah, doing great. <laughs> doing great. Doing um, great. So whereabouts are you living now? So I find myself in central New England, uh, yep. specifically Worcester, Massachusetts. <clears throat> and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm giving it a red hot go out here. Went to school for uh, massage therapy. Yeah, yeah, at uh, Bancroft School of Massage Therapy here in Worcester, uh, just to kind of supplement, you know, my my skill set, my understanding of things, yeah. and uh, and it's it's been great so far. I've been, you know, I was really busy pre-COVID, and I just went back to work yesterday, and okay. was, my schedule is completely packed. And I'm sure my, it schedule, is, yeah. my schedule today is completely packed and i think i'm working like 10 days in a row and every single day i'm i'm working from like noon to 10 p.m just yeah just solid 10 hours you have some <clears throat> strong thumbs by the well end yeah the the whole point is uh if you overuse your thumbs like windshield wipers you'll develop mm -hmm. some some serious problems in the saddle joint and and maybe the uh the first joint here but uh it's uh, the trick is to massage from your feet from your feet yeah well the idea is you know you want to move from your feet and not focus on just here yeah. you want to move with the entire body pardon so that would be like um that sort of links into your martial arts background i suppose because uh yeah that does that does make a lot of sense be, be like water <laughs> <laughs> right 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 yeah. that's a bruce lee quote i think yeah um, <clears throat> yeah, the, I, I'd like to credit, you know, my, my extensive history in, uh, in martial arts. I mean, not so much like Kyoku Shinkai and like traditional Japanese, uh, karate styles, but more, um, Aikido for that kind of like, um, kinesthetic awareness and, and learning how to kind of, I don't know, just like row the boat. So yeah, yeah, speak. yeah. Makes sense. <clears throat> so that's... That's that was really helpful, and definitely gave me um, a leg up in kind of understanding the discipline of manual therapy as you know, as it applies here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's funny because just you saying that um, that sort of coincides with how we sort of um, came into contact with each other because the the whole the whole gym setting and um, that even coincides with how, how you move a barbell or a kettlebell. Right. If you, um, if you try and manipulate the movements at any point into one sort of specific um, uh, manipulation sort of thing, it, right. it, it yep. does, it, it doesn't work and it, you end up hurting an area of your body that, um, you obviously don't want to hurt, you don't want to hurt any right. of your body. But I, I think that 
the the beauty of displacing heavy external objects uh, is that it it will correct you yeah. in no uncertain terms. It will mm -hmm. let you know uh, whether or not you know you you have it. Um, <clears throat> that's why you know I've I've focused on technique heavily uh, for a long time because okay once once you're you begin to climb into the you know uh, you know two x two x two two point whatever x body weight uh, then okay if if your technique sucks then you just don't get the lift that's all there is to it yeah. or you get or you get seriously injured so. Uh, and and kind of deeper there it's it's critical to kind of pattern in uh correct movement with a lower percentage weight so that the nervous system knows what to do yeah. and it's automatic so that when you do find yourself under some uh, under a really heavy bar then the movement is automatic you just have to kind of recruit more motor units to get the job done yeah i i that always used to be a it more so came from my female clients um, who didn't get to see me. I, I, I don't like training with other people, which mm -hmm. is the complete opposite of what my, <laughs> my, my clients used to love was like, like sure. it, I'd never do huge. Well, I did do a, a little stint of doing huge groups. And uh, with that in mind, I sort of, had to go back to something that I heard off of that video that I was trying to find the other day. Um, that seems to have disappeared off the internet, which nothing ever seems to do. When right. you use the the quote, if you lower the bar, it's only good enough to keep the door open. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and, was, um, and mm -hmm. I that was. Um, I mean, we can we can go on to sort of like the the gym politics or the the fitness industry politics um, as we go on, but. Um, yeah, so some of my female clients were always amazed because I'm I'm not a big guy. I, I weigh mm -hmm. about seventy five kilos. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm short, five foot seven, mm -hmm. uh, but I was more than capable of lifting weight that was some of the guys that were sort of ninety to one hundred kilos. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, maybe not the hundred kilo guys, but definitely up to the sort of <laughs> the, the, the ninety kilo guys. And like my right. deadlifts, like I think, um, what was my my top was uh, 195 kilos. And a boy, right? At 75 kilos body weight. Ooh, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's made, strong. Made a huge mistake once I did that 195 kilos. Uh, then trying to go for the 200, more or less straight afterwards. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, did, for, did, uh, my, did myself a damage for a good three months there. Uh, after oh. that, uh, ego got involved there. I think. There's the point. There's the point. Like, um, so for uh, for you uh, for you who speak in you know pounds and not kilos, hundred kilos is is about two hundred and twenty pounds. So you just take yep. the kilo and multiply it by two point two. So you can do your own math from now on. Uh, but yes, I I know what you're talking about. Lifting with your ego is probably the um, the biggest mistake I see a lot of people make and it has not only negative physical ramifications, but the psychological effect yeah, yeah, is, absolutely. Uh, is, is harsh as well. Um, I made that mistake as a, as a kid, there was this, uh, you know, it was a 
a reasonably accomplished and, and capable skateboarder, you know, uh, back in my youth. And uh, I was always a stuntman, you know, giant double sets and huge gaps and whatever. Uh, so there was this one massive, probably like 10 foot high, you know, maybe 12 or 15 foot long parking lot to parking lot gap that mm -hmm. my, my only goal was to just ollie, you know, I wasn't trying to like kickflip or do anything spectacular or I just wanted to like, I just wanted to clear it. Uh, and so after a couple, a couple bails, I just fully committed and I just, I ollied as hard as I could and saw everything kind of like flow underneath me and I landed and rode away super clean. And I was, I was really, really psyched. So what does this asshole do? Says to himself, oh, well, let me try it again. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just fucking did it, right? So, yeah. uh, and sure enough, that's when, that's when things went sideways. Uh, you know, I bailed, planted my foot, my body twisted, and my knee, uh, my right knee went, went to hell for, for quite some time. But it just turned out to be, after a visit to, um, you know, uh, an, ortho, an orthopod, it just turned out to be like a severe sprain that uh, that eventually resolved. I mean, there's probably some scar tissue in there somewhere, but uh, neither here nor there. The point is, yeah, don't don't let your ego drag your body, uh, you know, through it. You know, let your intellect kind of guide your action. Yeah, which is um, easier said than done, and I think that takes quite a lot of practice and quite a lot of um, self-assessment at all times really um, well it's it's a it's a realistic thing like you have to be realistic about your your yeah. capabilities but at the same time have kind of a healthy contempt for that kind of narrowing of your mm, expectation you know of, of your realization of your potential like if you think you can't okay then you can't but you have to kind of challenge your own um uh, as as Mark would put it, self-imposed limitations. Yeah, yeah. With with a tremendous amount of contempt. Uh, two of my favorite words in the English language are, "Oh yeah." So. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I get it because, um, like like you said, there. Like if you think you can't do something, then then you can't. It's um, then you I, can't. I, yeah. I, I remember spending like months with with clients who would start off they do so well and mm -hmm. you know i the way i used to sort of initiate my gym was how mark sort of set out jim jones originally with the sort of mm -hmm. fight club sit on the doorstep yep. mentality people that i knew would message me they as much as um i i loathed this for a while is like I, I would never get this will go again into the sort of my contempt for the fitness and fitness. I'm, I'm doing air quotes. Here, yeah, 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 yeah. The online fitness industry is that I, you know, I, the reason that I would attract customers was because of the imagery I would use of what my clients were doing. Sure. Um, and the contempt I got with that was because then that some chick would post a picture of her ass and would get, <laughs> get thousands and thousands of likes and I'd get like 25. And I was like, I spent ages perfecting how to take these photos without people realizing I was taking them, et cetera. But, um, uh -huh. but anyway, going go back to what I was saying was that, um, so 
through the photographs and the video content that I would put out, which thanks to you, I got to put some really awesome music to back in the day with the, oh, the, the, the new recon album at the time that had come out. Uh-huh. That I got uh, to use, uh, I think Sniper's Day Parade was one of those songs oh, I use yeah. quite regularly. Yeah, um, thank you, no, thank you. Uh, I, I quite liked battling out with um, with YouTube over that with the <laughs> oh yeah yeah with yeah the, with the copyrights. Um, uh, but I would get quite a few sort of people I'd grown up with because um, like where I live now, Hereford's not it's not a it's not a big place, so sure. the client base is quite limited, and uh-huh. you tend to know the people that are you know sending you the messages on social media and my my thing always was uh they they send me a message and say i was could i come down and train and i would always be like no you (laughs) you you wouldn't be able to 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 manage you know what i mean and and then i would say like i'm not having and it it's I, i would do this to some of like friends that were in the army friends that were in um the navy Sure, people who are reasonably capable. I mean, yeah. I mean more, than, more than capable, probably fitter than some of the guys <laughs> that I was training. But right, it was right. that sort of like, that telling people that they can't do something. Exactly. Uh, makes them want to try harder to, to come down. Therefore, they want to be in the space for their own reason rather than my, like me. Like, their own reason being that I, I, I'll show you. And that's right. the sort of, the sort of um, well, that was sort of the ethos of what Mark tried to create, and I think <clears> he's recreating now um, in his own completely different style, along with Michael and Keegan and, yes. and those guys. Um, and, and that's another thing I wouldn't mind having a chat about because I've I've had some loose comments from from Michael about the whole the whole situation that happened, and I don't even want to delve into what actually happened. I just like. Oh yeah, that's that's not for me to speak on. No, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, if if Michael's not willing to disclose the, <clears throat> the details, then I'm not going to try and get it from anybody else. But um, well, I mean, it, it also it also boils down to okay, you you don't know who is still connected to who or whatever. The, it, yeah, exactly. Whatever um, the behind the scenes political bullshit is. But uh, very briefly, very briefly to your point about people, you know. Uh, knocking and waiting on the porch for a while. <clears throat> I think that number one, it, it's a, it's kind of a, a brilliant idea. And it plays on that psychological push pull. <clears throat> if, you know, if people actually want something, you know, say, you know, no, and you kind of like pull it back from them, the harder they push. Okay. The yeah. more they're going to get out of it once they get there. Um, but I mean, I think for some people it plays on the, and I've, I've mentioned this idea before the, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's the prime, their primary psychological master conflict uh, of special versus ordinary, you know, <clears throat> and people want to be special. They want to be elite. They want to be, uh, you know, different uh, for whatever reason. Mm, nobody wants to be, well, most, most people just don't want to be ordinary. They want to be more than they are or more than other people are. And I think that's what uh, CrossFit you know, plays at when, when they, they adopted the slogan, forging elite fitness. Okay. Yeah. okay well, That's... cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's, let's see it. I mean, uh, is it elite or is it elitist? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a 
really good point. I mean, I've I've always had my um, reservations with CrossFit and not um, CrossFit on the whole. Sure. And not, and not CrossFit as individual coaches because I'm sure they're great guys. Oh, there are phenomenal doing. coaches out there, and and there's there are some legitimately good. Uh, you know, boxes doing great work for great people. Uh, <clears throat> but the entire idea is, is something that, uh, well, the, the idea of doing, let's say, neurologically complicated movements, you know, over time in an exhausted state, that's just beg, that's begging for orthopedic injury. That's yeah. it. I, um, I went through a state at like, I never used gymnastic rings um, throughout. Um, I was explaining to somebody that I work with the other day that um, during lockdown and getting then getting back into work that I sort of completely forgotten that I needed to be moving my body. So right. I was going back to stage one. I'm literally doing mobility because I, I work as a chef now, Rob. And oh, like a, good that's, for you. That's, that's, a, that's honorable. It's a lot of standing up for a long period of time for a really prolonged period of days, as, sure, sure, sure. as, as I'm sure you are as well. And it does... Um, it, we have, we have a, on standing jokes at work because we've got guys that are younger than me, etc. And they're like, oh, you're just getting old. But you see them after <laughs> at, at the end of uh, a forty to fifty-five hour week, and they're hobbling about. And I was like, Darren, you you know exactly what to do. So mm. I sort of took myself. I was like, I've moved my body in ways yeah. since I was eight years old. Since sure. I started taking, because I, I I played soccer. Um, yeah. And. I, I play to a reasonably high standard and over, just over like this last, this, like this whole thing, I sort of forgot about that, you know? Sure. I, and so I, I was just moving my body about the other day and I've, I've, got, I've got outside this uh, shed that I've got here, I've mm. got my, my rings hanging up and just, just saying that about the, the whole, the whole CrossFit thing um, was that I remember when I first got my gymnastics rings and first nailing a muscle up, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm feeling like excruciating pain <laughs> in, 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 in and around sort of my triceps and like the right in, in between my delts and, and just areas. So, yeah. That, just, just in, just in the joint itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pain that I, I knew it was like, I'm strong enough to do this. But my body isn't built to cope with it. And when you throw in things like muscle-ups, if you're not accustomed to do it, like you might be strong enough to do it. Like I've got, like I said, I've trained guys that are more than capable mm. of, doing, of doing stuff. They are way more capable than some of those people that you see in the, the, the CrossFit adverts and stuff like that, that right. are, are definitely not doing um, performance-enhancing drugs. Definitely not. Um sure. And not to say they all are by any means. I'm not, not even. No, but if you're if you're going to be on that level, you know, it's it's completely clear who is, and <clears throat> they want to stand on the podium. I think you know, for those purposes, I mean, they're they're going to do it uh, if that's what if that's yeah. what's important to them. I mean, that's their ace in the hole, so they flip it and they stand on the podium, and 
and you know who knows how long that's going to last congratulations take a photograph hang it on your wall so you can look at it when you're 50 and it's shrunk uh but what i was um because i i went through a whole thing uh because I, I had lots of girls that got um very frustrated doing um doing work with the gymnastic rings um sure because well, they're frustrating they're fucking hard man. oh they're fucking hard and that that comes back to what I was saying earlier about the uh, the girls being sort of amazed by the because they never saw me train, yeah. and um, going back to the technique stuff. So after yes. after I felt that pain the next day, mm -hmm. I um, I remember being like, I'm gonna go I'm I'm not going onto your CrossFit's um, your mountain athlete uh, places like that to learn how to do gymnastic ring work. I'm going to sure. gymnastic stuff. I, yes, yes, yes. Um, where I live, the the gymnastic community is not is not great. Um, there are gymnastics clubs, but they, they they tend to be tied into sort of the sort of government assisted facilities. Understood. Um, the sort of Globo Gym, they're attached uh -huh. to those, and um, so I thought, no, I, you know, there, there's bound to be videos out. And I, and I spent ages, the same as I did with doing front squats, back squats, cleans, yeah. snatches. Like, I would never show somebody how to do those things unless I knew how to do it. And, right. Um, the, uh, it's funny, we'll go back to, to Michael Blevins, because I listened yeah, to a yeah, podca yeah. podcast about him, not about him, with him yesterday. Yeah. And... Um, it was oh, I, I love I love that dude to death. He's, he's yeah. incredible. He's always been nothing but nice to me. I love him. I love him so much. Uh, but he said um, he he was obviously they they were talking to him about um, training uh, actors and you know and he was explaining how many messages he gets and how much fun he has replying to those messages. <laughs> what what did Henry do to, to get to like this? And um, but. To that note, what he was saying was um, that the greatest, uh, well, the best athletes get to to where they are through you know hard work, etc. But the best of the best are comfortable with boredom and the repetitive nature of what it is to get better. Mm. And I think the average person, not the average, not even the average person, but well, yeah, we'll say the average person that wants to go to a gym, they see something like what I've done or what you uh -huh. what you do, what you may currently be doing. We'll get onto that um, sure. in, in a little bit. Sure. Um, and they're like, I, I want to have a go at that. Mm. But the majority of people are not willing to do the repetitive <clears throat> stuff. They're not willing to be able to do, uh, I don't know, a, a perfect clean at 30 kilos. Right. Um, well, they, practice they were, makes habit. Practice makes habit. Practice makes perfect to a degree as well. To a degree. Um, and and I, I agree with this idea that most people are not kind of um, at home with the idea of just making almost imperceptible incremental advances yeah. in a discipline. And it's called discipline for a reason. Uh, you know, I... I would tell some of my people, look, a, a vast majority of your training here is just going to be almost plotting, ho-hum, okay, time to do another set of these, which I know how to do. And look, 
the the advancements you're making are not going to be these super dramatic kind of sigmoid curve uh, moments. They're going to be, it's like a game of millimeters where you're just yeah. adding a little bit, a little, you're, you're adding a grain of sand onto the pile at a time before you know it, you're standing on top of a mountain, but you have to have patience. You have to kind of take the, the zoomed out big picture, like long view that, okay, well, here's why I'm doing this today because I'm looking for, you know, forward to X years down the road where I'll be in, you know, perhaps if things go well, uh, a, a different place. So it's not going to be like, oh, okay, you know, you learn how to do a thing and then you do the thing and next week you're fucking huge and ripped. Yeah. Like, fucking A, like, come on, fuck right off with that. Like people, people don't want to slow cook what they eat. They want to drive through. I mean, yeah, we can, uh, I suppose this, get, this will get on to the first, um, the first real subject that I wrote down. Um, and Mark and Michael came up with a title for it because they're brilliant humans and they always seem to be that little bit ahead of my curve, if anything. Because <laughs> oh, oh, everyone's there. They, they lead from the front, as they say. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I noticed you, you were on Instagram, but you don't seem to be anymore. But um, I, I've gone back towards Twitter a little bit more, but I like to post on to Instagram every now and again, just cause it's a, sure. it's just not a nice, nice platform for, but fuck me. <laughs> I, right. My, my absolute frustration with mm. the fitness industry came about like I, when, when I was running my dad's gym, yeah. Uh, 2003, 2004, I think it was. Um, and it was sort of a bog standard. There's a few machines in there, a weights, a free weights room, sauna, steam room, uh, nice facility. Good for nice. Um, but I got frustrations in that place. Cause it's not what I wanted. I, I, I wasn't, I was never happy with pleasing everybody with having mm -hmm. a, there's nothing wrong with having a smiley face, but I wasn't, I, I didn't want to put on that smiley face and click a door open on a, on a reception desk. So I sort of stumbled upon Jim Jones, um, yeah. followed Jim Jones. I paid for their site once it got going, never got sure. the opportunity to do the, the seminars or actually meet Mark or Michael face to face, spoken to them mm -hmm. online a few times. Sure. Um, in fact, I've had some great conversations with both of them, um, either through Twitter like I say, like 10 years ago or uh -huh. Instagram recently about photography more than anything. Oh yeah. 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 Far less about the gym. Um, yeah. but my, my frustration probably started around about the time that CrossFit started becoming that little bit more mainstream yes. and it sort of, it sort of flowed into like, I just remember all, like being so angry that there were people that were around doing very similar, like because CrossFit and the whole Jim Jones thing look very similar. Yeah. But, except one, uh, you know, I think Mark wanted to kind of divorce himself from Greg Glassman's yeah, idea. Which, and, which, there's a, that's another point that I've got, I've got to bring up in, in a little bit. Um, sure. But yeah, I think like obviously Mark being an intelligent guy that he is saw the holes in what they were doing and got out fairly early um, into 
in, in terms of the whole CrossFit thing. I've heard guys, have you heard of Andy Stump? Oh, yeah. Uh, I heard Andy Stump's podcast the other day and he literally was like, he ended it with, like, if any of you guys disagree with what I'm saying, obviously there's the whole Greg Glassman controversy that's just recently gone on. And he, he, he delves it, like, he's always said he kept his mouth shut, delves into some stuff. And he mm-hmm. ended the podcast with, and if any of you want to try and publicly call me out on this, I will burn that company to the ground. So um, he's obviously, <laughs> uh, and and he was quite high up in CrossFit for a while. He was he was quite close with Greg and is it Dave Castro. He was he was he was quite mm-hmm. close with those guys. So I think he's got some clout behind him. Um, Probably. But but yeah, I um my frustration started there. And it sort of bled into, like, I was like, fucking hell, there are guys out there doing stuff that it's not just inviting anybody and getting them to do shit that they physically may be able to do, but their body can't cope with, which right. is, uh, and they're doing a weekend course that costs them a thousand quid uh-huh. that I, I've spent since I was 15 years old learning the ins and outs of all of these processes and then uh-huh. specializing in specifics. Right. And yet they're getting a qualification over a weekend and now they can, open, <laughs> they can open a gym and because they've got a name, they're taking my fucking clients because people yep. are fickle and fitness right. has fads. If it's not a football, it's, uh, it's, it's a CrossFit. If it's not Zumba, it's uh, aqua aerobics. Like people right, are, right, people right. are fickle. And, and the, the frustrating thing when you know something, when you actually know and you know you're good at something and you can teach yeah. people <clears> and then... But they're they're going over here. They're, they're, of, of they're going away well, over to the, the, the latest thing, which um, the, sort of ties into what, what it's I was so saying. So frustrating. About I agree, and I and I've been there, and I've watched people kind of like float off into you know uh, towards the next new exciting thing. Uh, but again, back to the idea of patience. Uh, if you just continue doing what you're doing and improving yourself day in, day out uh, in your chosen discipline, people will begin to realize who the real deal is and who's, who's out there just faking it. You know, who took the weekend course and who's full of shit, uh, you know, and then they're going to naturally compare and contrast and be like, oh, well, you know what, Darren really had this, you know, fantastic way of explaining this thing that he actually understands uh whereas this dude's just like come on bro and and it's just you know look if someone wants to go hang out with a come on bro guys cool fuck right off go hang out with those dudes and you know uh i don't know do whatever the fuck you want in the mirror congratulate each other take hundreds of pictures of each other, post them on social media and feel great about yourself for 10 minutes. Who fucking cares? But if, you know, people will say, oh, well, maybe I actually want to adopt this as a way of life. Let's go to who we kind of instinctually understand is the real deal, uh, you know, and who is a, a, an actual authority, so to speak, on, on the subject. Then, okay, people will find you, you know, uh, the, the people who are meant to find you will find you yeah. uh, because you don't, you don't want these, yeah, bro, douchebags near you anyway. People will it, it, inevitably, invariably show you exactly who they are. And it doesn't take long to pick up, pick up on their scent. And these people are ballast, you know, uh, not to say that, you know, most, you know, most of these people can't kind of have a uh, quote unquote come to Jesus moment 
where they realize, oh man, I've been fucking up. I've just been like jocking myself in the mirror, these fucking mirror jockeys all day, you know, yeah. when, you know, when I should be getting capable and indestructible. Uh, and, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll come to the right side of history, so to speak. But uh, by and large, these people are, are ballast and you want quality over quantity anyway. Absolutely. That, yeah. that being said, okay, it's going to fuck with your bottom line in your business. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in the industry to make money uh, and you're not, you're not um, so-called pandering to the larger demographic, uh, yeah, I'm a kid. You're you're in for some lean times, but why the who the fuck cares about money, really? Outside, as long as your basic needs are met, you know who who gives a shit about it in the grand scheme of things. Like, you know, try and become a millionaire. I mean, okay, good for you, but if you're surrounding yourself with fucking idiots all day and counting your money, like, what fucking good is it? It's yeah, not. agree totally. Uh, which which sort of. Um... Again, this this is brilliant because this is exactly how I want this podcast to go on with whoever I've got. I, I never want it to be a forced conversation. I want to go off on oh, tangents. Yeah. I want to come back. Um, so going back to like, so I got, I sort of weathered the storm of the CrossFit thing um, yeah. in a way. Like I said, I had that, I had a phase where I got a lot of people in that perhaps I wouldn't normally have let in, but I, I was making money at the time and it was like, cool. Um, this is great. Um, and then they all left and went to CrossFit and then it was like, <laughs> I, I extended my, uh, my unit by an extra 50%, which I still had to pay for. Uh, but they moved on to the next fad and it was always like the, the message, right? Sorry, go to go to this new CrossFit gym that had opened, which I'm not I'm still at this day. I'm not bitter about it. it doesn't like, you do you, Dude, right. like, honestly, I'll still speak to you whenever I see you. Like, um, and the time that you spent with me in my facility, I think I, like, you didn't wrong me in any way, and mm -hmm. we had a pretty good relationship. You, you found something else you like, and that's and that's fine. Um, so, continued for quite a few years with, um, I, again, I, I downsided fifty percent, and. Um, continued training people. Um, I then went along to help my friends with, with their, with their restaurant business. Sure. That's, that started to take over, um, quite a lot of my time. Obviously got my daughter as well, who mm -hmm. I'm having to sort of juggle about, um, and make sure I've got time for her. Naturally. And, and, um, the, the next thing in the fitness industry that drive, like still to this day, it drives me, sort of touched on it a minute ago is this whole thing, this influencer thing that's going on now. And mm -hmm. you, you literally got a pretty girl in good shape posting workouts that she does that I'm going to, I'm going to have to say it, but somebody else has set there's probably the person that's filming her, mm -hmm. not necessarily performing exercises particularly good, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> But it doesn't matter because genetically, she's pretty sound anyway, and she's going to yeah. look pretty much that way, regardless of right, the right. exercise she's doing there. And even even like on on the flip side of the the, the guys, like you've got guys like um, 
uh, I, actually, I'm not even going to name names, but there's guys that got pretty famous on YouTube for throw, look, doing three second videos of throwing food together. And then all of a sudden they go, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach and I'm a nutritionist. I'm this, I'm that. <laughs> and, and what drives me mad about it is that people buy into it, which they're going to people like people are people. That's, that's what they do. Sure. But what, like the, the infuriation, which I'm glad I'm still infuriated by it by the way Good. like I'm, Good. I'm i'm glad that i still look at that and it makes me mad it's like mm. you look at like and i'm i'm not one for for likes or shares or anything like that i'm I really i could give a flying fuck about it anymore mm-hmm. and i went like i said i went through a stage i was like i'm spending ages doing these photos but as long right. as as long as a few people that i know like them i know that they're not just like double tapping just because they're going through a, uh, a feed. Yeah, they're scrolling through their feed. Yeah, um, they've actually taken the time to read what because I, I never post just a picture. I post a picture and I have a, I'll, I'll think about what I'm going to write before I write, uh, before I post it. Of course. Um, uh, but then, yeah, you see, you see these things all going up, and the, I'm going to say it. Fuck it, it's my podcast. I do what I want. And a boy. The dum dums that mm-hmm. will follow these people and will go to the gym without any instruction and do exactly what these people are doing and think they're going to look like that. To me, that's even worse than people emailing uh, Michael and asking him what he did with Henry to get him to look like that. Because at least they're right. asking somebody. <laughs> right, right, right. You're just following exactly. a fucking video that like, I, mm, I, I know it, it I know it. I see it sometimes. <laughs> you, you've got guys that have clearly set their, their, their phone up so that they can, they can film themselves in a in a gym setting. Yes. I don't even know how to do. Like I'm pretty savvy with all technology. I could not tell sure. you, other than turning my video on and then turning it around, which you never see. It's already sure. set, and they, they already do it, and they're already in focus. I, I, there's always somebody else behind the camera. It's mental. Yeah. It's it's a well, phenomenon to me that makes no sense. And. Maybe I'm just an old man now, but it literally makes no sense to me. And yeah, we're all old men, and that's cool. But the the idea here is that okay, yes, it's it's frustrating to see all of these people who have, you know, some of them have reasonable potential. Uh, they're just kind of being led from pillar to post by the newest thing. Yeah, and they're never kind of settled in to one discipline to plumb its depths and see what's possible adopting a long view and just realizing, okay, we're going to do some plotting repetitive, you know, um, quality work. They're like, Oh, what's this thing? Oh, what's this new shiny thing? Oh, this other thing's over here. Right. And you have to, in a way, um, feel bad for them because they're never going to achieve satisfaction. They're never going to get there, so to speak. Not that, you know, not that any of us really get there, but I think, what uh, uh, what's most critical is you know the act of going there, not getting there. Yeah. You know the uh, the discipline is the practice, uh, not the you know not like oh I finally fucking got there. I you know <laughs> I got separation between you know this muscle and this muscle, and I got a thousand likes in ten minutes on Instagram. I fucking made it. You know. I, just just let these people go off in their own private hell and you know as as much as it drives you batty just focus on 
doing what you're doing and you know, continue moving forward, continue moving upward uh, in a way that suits you best and just let these people go fucking chase whatever they're going to chase and, uh, and look at it this way. At least they're out of your way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it's funny because like um, when I emailed you the other day uh, and mm. I said to you that I hadn't seen you on social media like in any capacity for, for quite a while. I've seen you quite active recently. Um, yes. and maybe, maybe it's an algorithm or maybe you just suddenly started getting more active or, or whatever it was. But um, I think it's the latter. I, I, I re always remember reading stuff that like, uh, people like you, you or Jennifer Ruff would, mm -hmm. would yep. put up and it would always intrigue me. And where, the reason I, I messaged you was like, I, haven't, I haven't heard of Rob in a long time. I'm, I'm going to give him a message. And I, it, it's funny. I, I had sort of like a during lock, lockdown was good for me in some ways, bad for me in others. Um, Naturally. But it made me like, I've reconnected with a lot of people mm -hmm. that I sort of fallen out of contact with like my friend Deji over in LA. Yep. Um, yourself. Um, like a, a, a number of people that I just had, uh, genuinely have been quote unquote too busy doing my own shit to even sort of think, Oh, hang on. I haven't heard from this person. I haven't heard from that person. And just hearing you say that then is the reason that I need to stay in contact with people like you, because um. I, I, I do have a, an inherent, like th this is why I've called it obsessive conversive. I like right. I like to talk about stuff. Sure. But my brain fires in a funny old way. Like I can get, uh -huh. like I'm in no way saying that I've got uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, but of my course. brain does obsess over certain things. And maybe right. that's a, a natural thing that everybody gets, but I notice it in myself. And I notice mm. like um, in like current events, like a favorite comedian of mine in Chris D'Elia, yeah. has recently come under fire for stuff. So my obsessive brain now, because it's like, no, it can't be, it can't be. I'm constantly on Twitter and then reading what people are saying and stuff. And like, I, like my brain is just like, go on, keep, keep checking. And it's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> it's a really stupid thing to do because I, I, I do things to annoy myself, like checking out these fitness influencers. Right. Like I, I'll, I'll scroll through it and just go, there are people out there that are, are clearly buying into this they're buying into it that's why you've got 120,000 followers and i've got five right <laughs> and right. like um do you but, think you do it because it throws coal on the fire yeah definitely definitely and uh, the the one thing that i need to get better at and i'm slowly getting there at the age of 37 mm -hmm. is rather than allowing that fire to get so hot that it's out of control ah. is allow it to simmer at a level that it becomes productive and creative mm -hmm. because i've found that um it'll only take one person to say like a comment like you literally just made there do you think mm -hmm. this that I'll, i will lie in bed until four or five o'clock in the morning no sleep get up and be like literally typing away writing yeah and, and and the thoughts just go they go they go because there's all of a sudden that fire's died down enough 
stopped eating away at me enough that I can now use what I'm actually good at, which is A, being creative and B, being mm -hmm. productive. Sure. And um, it's funny because I, I had, like, like I said, the guys that I, I work for now are uh, also good friends of mine. Nice. And uh, a criticism of theirs is every now and again, you seem to get real negative and seem like you can't be asked to be here. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm putting that out there. Like the boys, you know, they said like, this, this conversation is private. It's, you know, it's, it's essentially an appraisal. Right. And they, they said, why do you think that is? And I, and I said, during lockdown, I re I've, I've, I've rekindled that fire, that sure. creativeness, mm -hmm. that working as a chef is not that uncommon from working in a factory. Once, yeah, you're, once, you're, once, you're, once you're going, it's, it's literally like a conveyor belt, like go, 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 go. And mm -hmm. I, like I said, I, I stopped with the gym uh, about a year ago, which is not like, it's not the end of the book. It's the end of the chapter in that sense. Right. Right. But for the best part of a year, I've had little to no creative output. And that is something that I think that someone like myself, someone like you, if you don't have that outlet, you either become severely depressed mm -hmm. or severely unproductive. Sure. Um, well, the energy is there <clears throat> no matter what you do. And if it is not kind of channeled and expressed properly, then it kind of mutates into something less than healthy. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a matter of kind of allotting time and space and energy, you know, to do what you believe is best for you, you know? So, you know, everything is a choice. We make our choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, well, some, sometimes there is no choice. Sometimes you just, you do what you have to do, but by and large, I think in, in this context uh, where we put our energies uh, is a choice. So yeah, I, I agree with your idea. And I think, you know, it's, it's super important to kind of maintain that outlet. Uh, you know, if for no other reason, you keep yourself, you know, slightly less insane, right? Yeah. You just, you, you <laughs> notice, notice my choice of words. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think, you know, your, your point is sound and, and it, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So. Yeah. So, um, so on the whole, being locked down for me was good because I got that break and I've, I've come back. Um, I did a good thing as well, which I always used to do where from like the age that George was walking around and stuff was um, I've got, I think somewhere in the region of about 120 tomato plants growing in my garden. But oh, I've, also, nice. I've also got um, all other fruits and vegetables growing there. Um, that was the start. I then uh, re I sort of produced, I guess, created a theme song for my brother's podcast, oh, neat. which um, which I'll, I'll I'll send you afterwards. Um, I basically did like an, I I found out a lot about Mac stuff because I had nothing else to do. So um, I yeah. was using GarageBand and found out that on these headphones, which I'm not actually using the mic for at the moment, but um, if I plug these into Georgie's iPad, 
and play my guitar through, I can actually use it as an amplifier and it picks it up perfectly. So oh, I just wow, I just I just played uh, Metallica one. And, <laughs> That's a good one. Um, and then did a did a, a bit of vocals over it and stuff because I obviously sound a little bit like my brother. So um, mm. mapped this whole track and I was like, all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is where your brain needs to go. So <laughs> a hadn't been playing my guitar for about a year. I broke my thumb and um, obviously couldn't play. So sure. it was sort of just collecting dust in, in, in the corner. Uh, so I just picked it up randomly and I was like, oh, I remember you actually like doing this. This stops you feeling like <laughs> a mental person. Um, also doing like learning new, new things for me is like, like the whole garage band. It's not an easy program to use if you're just trying to make a song. So going through YouTube tutorials and shit like that, Yes, it was good fun, and also I've always had a a curious sort of wonder into how music is actually made. And I know Garage Band is not how it's all made with all the sliders in the studios and stuff. Yeah, but, you but get... at the same time, you know, it's uh, it, it's less relevant now. And what's what's more relevant is the drive and the vision. You know, mm -hmm. the the tools are almost irrelevant. Yeah. So, um, but I sort of enjoyed doing that and. Um, and into my photography and I've started because I, I'd obviously heard um, Michael and Mark since they were doing the dissect podcast, which is now the nonprofit. And they were, they were talking about the defend analog stuff. And uh, I just got myself a, a, a cheap to medium priced scanner and started scanning through all my old photos from when I worked in, upstate new york which i'm going to bring on this is sort of segueing into um all right back into you um and and i was like oh yeah remember all that time you used to sit in in your shed literally looking at photos of people at the gym and it, you felt like it was the same thing you actually enjoy this you need mm. to do things you enjoy and not just go to work make sure everybody's safe and well in bed and then sit on your own you need to be doing something and right. that was that was sort of a great awakening that i had because i think it's well documented chefs do tend to go one of two ways they either leave the industry or become drug addicts mm -hmm. luckily luckily not one for drugs thank you <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 mad enough as it is i mean i mean look here yeah <laughs> it's a powerful t-shirt um it's uh, it's polarizing i'll tell you that um, and I, I think like after, after the chat I had with the guys at work, I've, I look at work in a completely different way now. Like I, I go into work and I want to win. Mm. I'm not going to work just cause they pay me. Like I'm going, I want to win. I want to, you know, everything as, as far as I can be perfect. And that's how I've always been. And I sort of forgot that for a little while. And it's, um, it's nice to have that drive back. If you know what I mean, of course, because I think what what's what's critical here is the idea that you are refocused on the discipline yeah. and not the reward. Uh, you know, the, again, the, the practice of the discipline, the, the journey is the destination. That is the reward. Uh, the work is the reward, as, I, yeah. as I've said, as I said before, back in the day, uh, you know, like with um, with chess, my my first uh chess trainer used to talk to me about the elo rating system you know whether it's fide or u.s chess federation or whatever mm -hmm. uh, uh, everyone has a 
every every tournament chess player has a rating you know uh, next to their name and some players are absolutely obsessed with increasing their rating you know to get to expert to get to master or what have you right. uh but then their chess suffers their creativity suffers and my coach uh once admonished me when we were on the topic he, he said rob don't chase the rating chase good moves and let the rating chase you absolutely right Great so advice. similar similarly uh you know people who are you know chasing the money okay i mean if that's if that's your carrot at the end of the stick cool chase it but you know great what what do you do when you get it you need more right uh it's like a, a sisyphean hedonism so chase the discipline and let the money chase you yeah right so i don't you know when i go to work every day i don't focus on the money i focus on taking care of the person under my hands solving problems and uh, decreasing pain, increasing range of motion and producing results based on what I know and my ability to solve problems. Uh, and then the money follows. Like if I just focused on the money and I've seen manual therapists who uh, that that's their only concern is just getting paid at the end of the day. Yep. Their work sucks. Their, their people see no relief. They get no results and they don't make as much money. Right. Yeah. Whereas I, I step into that space, my genuine concern is to offer, you know, the person on the table relief from their presentations. And then all of a sudden I get paid much more. Right. Yeah. And that's and cool. I mean, right, right, right. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that I cost more cause I'm worth more. And I, I certainly put enough work into understanding the discipline, at least at this young stage in, in, uh, in my career, um, I graduated from Bancroft at the top of, at the top of the class. Like I, I, it was like 99.6, uh, mm -hmm. after, after 13 months of intensive study, uh, you know, and a vast majority of which I, I lived in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough. I like, I spent all winter in a car and I still fucking graduated. Okay. Uh, no, that's with, not fun on the East coast of America. <laughs> no, no, sir. And yeah, you understand, but, but you know, we, we won't get into the conditions under which I, under which that transpired. But the, the point is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I gave myself to it completely. And the, the proof is in, you know, seeing a person stride out of the clinic, whereas before they were limping, you know, mm -hmm. or, or what have you. Whereas people who were just chasing the money, eventually their people will say, well, you know what, I'm not really getting any results. Um, but that guy, Rob, his people seem to be pretty happy when they walk out. Let's, let's give him a try. And I think it, that speaks to kind of our, our previous idea of people kind of like chasing these Instagram likes and the, and the new fads or whatever. Yeah. You are, you're doing your thing, disciplined day in, day out, and achieving results and getting results for your people. Uh, and then just, you know, letting the money chase you, whereas all these other people are kind of, they have a, a fucked up value system and they're going about things in, I don't want to say the wrong way, but a different way. Yeah. Uh, so eventually people will separate wheat from chaff and kind of see you for what you are and see me for what I am. I'll just, I'll just let the ratings chase me. I'll just, I'll chase good moves. And yeah. Right. That. It's a good, good way of thinking about things. So if we uh, go back, so, 
I was listening to, I, uh, God, I can't remember the the podcast now, but it, it was a while ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about. Oh God, I can't even think what the um, the term is. Basically, what, what's the term for somebody that doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke? Oh, straight edge. Straight edge. So it was a straight mm-hmm. edge podcast, and it was a guy that says he has got the straightest edge podcast on the internet. <laughs> what, yeah, what was his name? I, I can't remember. I'll, I'll have a look on my phone in a second. Because uh, my buddy Bill, my buddy Bill does a, a podcast called Edgeland. That's it. That's it. Edgeland. Oh, no shit. You know what's funny? I just changed out of my Edgeland shirt. Like that's that's that was like that's like my night shirt, right? That's really shout out to the Edgeland podcast to my one one listener I'll have today. Um, (laughs) So you you mentioned um, growing up in Albany, New York. Yes. Um, And funny enough, like I don't think we've ever discussed this, but I actually, oh god, I've got to remember the dates. I see the two thousand two thousand one to about two thousand three two thousand four. Sure. I I actually worked in upstate New York uh, over the awesome. summer in summer camps, and mm-hmm. I looked after homeless children from New York City. Oh no, kidding! Um, I was a sports teacher for the first two years, oh. then I became the assistant director of the the camp for the last two years, mm-hmm. um, and I was based in Harriman State Park. Okay, you know it? I don't know it. No, it's um. <laughs> It's not far from Monroe. Okay. And um, okay. I think Woodbury Commons. You heard of that? No, I don't. I don't know that place either. Wood, Woodbury Commons is like an outlet village of all. The, it's um, you know, it's got Nike there and all the stuff. Um, but it was just mad because I've been, I've literally been to Albany, and I was listening yeah. earlier as I was uh, watering my my garden, and you're yeah. like, I grew up in Albany, and I was like. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I of all the places, because I, when I say I worked in New York, people think immediately think the city. And that's, I was what like, everyone, no. that's what everyone thinks. No, yeah, everyone thinks. and I, I was like, it was about the first year I went, I think. And we obviously we had people working with us that were more local. We had people from the city, people from all over, but there were sure. locals and managed to get around um, like the Palisades, you know, the big mall in the Palisades people okay yeah um and there was like we went on like weekend trips to like people's parents and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah i went to sort of albany monroe um up to harriman because th- there's a big story about harriman being a poor guy a poorish guy wasn't allowed to live in the surrounding area i'll have to look it up what what it's called? What the actual place is called? So he actually bought a plot of land, and he's now got a, a house that's at the top of Harriman State Park, looking down on uh, the. T- it might be the town of Harriman. They might have renamed it. And hang, hang tight. I'm gonna get these dogs out of here. Hey, <laughs> do you mind? No. I'm trying to have a conversation over here. <laughs> Yeah, so my my boys are locked in the house. I love um, they they've got a tendency to try and have conversations with the neighbours' dogs, especially when I'm trying to do something. Uh, so I thought, recording wise, they're probably best off 
and it's it's fucking hot here today. It's like it is, it is hot. Like I don't know. Um, I'm not good with Fahrenheit, as you're probably not great with Celsius, but it's like 30 degrees here. 30, yeah, it's around it's around like 28 here. Like yeah. 20, 27, 28 here. Thanks, Mike. All right, let's go. Good. dogs yeah so so i'm sat in a wooden shed um so i'm essentially in a sauna at the moment <laughs> at least you have a fan yeah can you can you hear the phone nope no that's okay then um so going back to sort of the artistic expression thing that i was talking about earlier because i think i do think it's a big part of myself that i have to make sure i keep in touch with are you doing anything sort of music wise at the moment? Yeah, I have, um, I have a band that's in the very early stages. We're demoing stuff right now. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's about as, as far as we've gotten. I mean, uh, a good friend of mine from Texas is, uh, you know, is fleshing out some structures and he has a couple drummers in mind. So we're, we're working on getting that stuff demoed uh, currently. And, you know, this, the second I have anything real uh, to uh, to share, I'll send it straight away. Oh, nice. That'd be good. Um, so, yeah, so you had, what was it One King Down? Was Yeah, One King Down. Was... We've been, uh, you know, active after a 17-year break. You know, we played Albany. We, we, uh, we came back... Um, in 2018, we played "This Is Hardcore" yeah. in Philadelphia, and that was that was a real treat. And uh, and then in uh, I think it was what was it October of uh, of the following year, we we played a hometown show, uh, and then we played uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, somewhere else in Pennsylvania, some mm-hmm. uh, some fest. And, that was that was okay as well, uh, but we got to play with Earth Crisis. We, you know, we hadn't seen those dudes in forever. Uh, Wisdom and Chains, bunch of really nice guys. Like, uh, yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun. What's what sort of um, satisfaction do you get out of um, playing in front of a live audience? You know, it's that's a hard question to answer because <clears throat> it's less uh satisfying and more like uh comfortable it's like walking through the door at home and just like being at home mm-hmm. with people with people you you want to be around it's a <clears throat> it's a comforting familiarity uh, but i mean certainly more energetic than you know just walking through the door at home uh it's uh it's it's a kind of a really nice feeling it's what I grew up doing and it's for, you know, my whole adult life been really the only place I've ever felt uh, 100% comfortable and at home mm-hmm. is, is just screaming at people. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all. Um, so going on to sort of like the, the whole trust the process philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the is the creative process as 
not rewarding. Um, so let me th- rethink how I'm going to say this. So yeah, do, you, do, do you get, do you think you get more benefit out of creating the songs and the lyrics? You are a lyricist, aren't you? You, you write. Yeah. yeah. Through and through. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think you personally get more out of that or more out of the performing and showing people the end product of what you've worked so hard for? Those or do you think, or, or does it, does it go all mingle into one? Well, no, these are entirely distinct entities, uh, but they're two great tastes that taste great together. I think one is more uh, meticulous and can definitely satisfy the more uh, focused, the hyper-focused, detail-oriented, uh, problem-solving, creative problem-solving parts of my brain. Uh, and then the other is just unbridled expression uh, that kind of employs that, you know, pre-composed work as a vehicle to carry, to carry one through that catharsis. So one, it's almost like, okay, you get to build your Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, and fine tune it and really kind of, you know, get everything where you want it. And then you just fucking charge through, you know, crowds of people. Mm-hmm. So it's a, another another car analogy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, one of the uh, possibly controversial things um, in the, the sort of mini bio I got you to to put together was Rob carries a knife wherever he wherever oh, he goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I was just that sort of ties into the whole Instagram thing that I was talking about earlier, because incidentally, for all the work that I did um, photography wise and editing wise, the my, my most liked photo, which is liked, I think, 180 times more than any other photo that I've got is of my yak, Yaxel um, nice. So my Yaxel, uh, what's it? What words escape me right now? That's not a big deal. Uh, why can't I remember this? This is like one of my favourite things to talk about. Um, the the steel, the bloody samurai samurai swords are made from when they fold it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I don't, I don't precisely recall. Uh, anyway, I took a photo of... It was a present from what, one of the other chefs I work with. Yeah. He got me... It's quite an expensive knife. It's a Santoku knife, so it's a multifunctional yeah. knife. Yeah. Um, just literally put it on a chopping board, took a photo of it on my iPhone, uploaded it, like 200-plus likes. And I, I haven't even done anything. <laughs> I literally just took that out of my photo. Maybe that's just an, ana- an analogy of that. Don't overwork my photography. Maybe <laughs> Sim- <laughs> maybe keep it, keep it simple, stupid. Right. But yeah, here's I'm- here's one. Here's one that I keep near my bed. This one stays like practically under my pillow. Right. Okay. And why knives? It's a kukri. Uh, okay. Um. What is that? A combat knife. It's a whatever, if you, if you're, I mean, any knife is a combat knife if you're yep. in combat with it. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. This is just a maximum damage, minimum effort knife. Uh, that's, a, that's it. I don't know. The symbology of the knife has always been near and dear to me uh, mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. I mean, I, I you know, uh, for my father's 70th birthday, um, I ordered a uh, shun chef's knife. Mm -hmm. uh, and and its own uh, display block and just gave that to him. I said, okay, well, I'm not, <clears throat> I can't tell you what the knife is supposed to mean to you, but I know what it means to me. So here's, here's this, use it in good health the rest of your days, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the, the knife and what it represents is extremely important to me. Always has been my whole, my, my whole life. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> to say in detail what, what it means to me, uh, much like how I, I'm reluctant to kind of decipher a lot of my kind of uh, esoteric and kind of uh, interpretable uh, lyrical content, it, it would be a disservice for me to kind of impose my interpretation onto other people. I think it's, it's critical that they kind of draw their own thing from it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess uh, that's, that's the kind of long way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's fair enough. Um, I mean, as a chef and well, it's a symbol of symbol of your craft. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm always meticulous with my knives, like making sure they're sharp. I always use the Bourdain quote in the kitchen, which is, you don't touch my dick, you don't touch my knives. Nice. And, um, unless, unless somebody touches your dick and then they're yeah. going to touch your knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, the, just the pointy end. Yeah. Um, and f for a while, um, I was kind of, it was kind of a standing joke because I'd bring my knife roll in and everyone would use the kitchen stock knives. But now quite a few people bring in their, their own knives and stuff. And it's, I, I don't know. I, again, I can't really explain my relationship with, with my chef's knives because I've got, I've got some that I carry with me all the time that I never use. I, I tend to use the same ones that you've got. What I've got certain like my boning knives and things like that are used for a specific purpose, which in my job don't get used very often. Right. But I've got, I've got, one of two two things, depending on whether I'm like chopping onions or something a bit more, that's going to require a bit more detail. Sure. I will use one of those two knives, and I very rarely stray from them. And I can't tell you why, because all of my knives are good quality knives. It's just the size, the weight, the feel. I'm not sure what it is, but well, those are a more comfortable extension of who you are. Yeah, and what you know. So I. Yeah, I um I I completely understand the the stance that you took then of like, like you know I can't really and also not wanting to like if if I like with my daughter mm -hmm. I she's one of the only people who gets to touch my my knives sure. I, uh, and through lockdown I was teaching her how to chop an onion basic knife skills because I wanted mm -hmm. to be able to be more than capable of yeah cooking for herself cooking for other people because it's a good ex good way of expressing your gratitude of people being around you is if Absolutely. you can cook that a nice meal yeah um, i was having this conversation with one of my housemates uh this morning in fact it's like the most basic 
uh, and kind of mm, on brand with, you know, humans being a cooperative species expression of saying, okay, well, here, uh, I love you, live another day, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, um, she's one of the only people I've opened my knife roll to and just been like, pick one. Mm-hmm. and learn how to use it and funny enough she took one that um is a japanese made knife and it's only it's it it was fitting because i've obviously got full-size chef knives i've got the santoku knives i've got boning knives to, tomato knives or you know i've got one that's a bit like that knife that you just pulled out it's like a machete that i call lucille yeah. <laughs> um, and it's basically for butchering and um it uh she picked the the small chef's knife which is i don't know if that makes any yeah. sense it's sort of yeah i don't even know how what's that like 15 centimeters so yeah 15 centimeters is maybe like seven eight inches something seven, like eight that. inches so it fitted her it was the right size for her and she absolutely loves using that knife now like any chance she gets she's chopping onions and asking if she can make a bolognese or a lasagna or anything okay. like that so it's it's, it's it's cool and i think that was um a positive that I took out of the whole lockdown thing is I got to spend a lot of time with her, uh, like literally six to seven weeks straight of just me and her time every day from nine o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon schooling. And I, I, I tried my best to be loosey goosey with her about timings and stuff. It's like, well, we'll just do it whenever ever need be. But mm-hmm. it turned out that the systemic way that schooling is taught, has had an impact on a girl that's been in school for well since she was four years old she's 12 now so eight years of being up for a certain time going to certain lessons then having a break then having your lunch etc turns out that she needs that sort of structure in her life she can't just be loosey-goosey like her dad and just be like okay so maybe at 10 o'clock we're gonna do this maybe we're gonna do that but, um, right. once we got she that requires time, structure yeah. yeah so but once once we got that structure like i i refuse to adhere to the hundreds of emails that i would get on a weekly basis of this is what she needs to do for english this is what she needs to do for math this is what she needs to do for science i'd pick, I'd pick and choose and be like well that's going to be relevant to her so that's going to give her something but also we're taking the camera out girl we're going down to the river we're going to take photos I'm not going to tell you what to take photos of. You go and take them. Then I'll show you how to process them through a computer. And she did some great things. She took a picture of just like a, a viaduct. Oh. And it was just the the arch in the viaduct. And then oh, I, I, I showed, she's she's lucky. She gets a lot of hand downs from my, my dad who, who lives with us. Um, and he got rid of his iPad Pro and Apple Pencil. Yeah. M- missed me out. <laughs> uh, straight to his favorite <laughs> right. uh, his favorite person in the house is definitely Georgie and um, so he passed it down and she came back um, I'll, I'll see if I can pull it up to show you because okay. I w- this is literally just a photograph of um, uh, like I said of a, an arch and a bridge and out of nowhere she came up. I might have to turn. Oh shit! I forgot. I've got the far away that's camera as well. That's that's I'm have to get up. And do my best. Oh, and and by the way, fifteen centimeters is five point nine inches. 
So every guy will go with it's definitely seven then. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I don't know, can you see? Yeah, I can see it. Oh, that's sick. So she edited that all completely herself. I had nothing, I didn't even say, oh, that looks like that would be a good photo. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so that's yeah, really, that's, yeah. So there, there was a few positives, and like I said, there was a few negatives, but um, there's some, like just moving on from out of that whole lockdown thing. Um, I'm not sure what it's like with you guys. I, I sort of, cause I listen, I listen to a few American podcasts. Sure. But, um, we've just recently, like our prime minister keeps coming out with, with stuff that, oh, Boris, that, yeah. that, that absolutely is right in line with your, with your great leader. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so yesterday or the day before he came out with that they're they're loosening down the um the social distancing a and and i quote this is a meter plus that's it so a meter plus a meter plus what but more importantly so i think most people are in agreement that this this whole pandemic has mostly affected uh people of ill health uh, people who don't look after themselves and the mm. elderly. Sure. So over here, the rules are being relaxed as of the 4th of July. Happy Independence yeah. Day. <laughs> Pub, pubs can open. Uh, bingo halls can open. Uh-huh. Um, like restaurants, um, like within reason, I think. I think if you're a tiny little coffee shop, Mm-hmm. you know it's going to still have restrictions and stuff places that can't open are gyms uh oh no what's it what else is there amusement parks can open um a few a few other things that you just go right so hang on so places where people eat shit um people who drink alcohol mm-hmm. and generally people who are going to be most affected by the pubs being closed are going to be people that frequent the pub maybe a bit too much. Like I'm all for going for a pint with my mates, but the people who are affected by the pubs being closed are not the average person who could sit in their garden and quite happily have a pint with their mates in right. the garden. It's going to right. be the people who are frequenting the alcohol fueled yeah. establishment. Who just want to go, go get pissed. Um, bingo halls frequented by mostly elderly people, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amusement parks, I mean, we all know that the higher percentage of people, you only got to look at Disneyland, Disney World. Mm. I think I think it's got to be in the high 70 percentile of people are not just a bit overweight. They're morbidly obese. I mean, morbidly I, obese. I, I, like they're, some of these people are so massive that they bend light. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 yet yeah, gyms spas uh massage like somewhere that you would work oh yeah. ca- cannot open hairdressers can though and you look at it and go hang on so the establishments where people can actually like this is where i agree with the conspiracy theorists at times <laughs> and right. I, i'm not one for believing in conspiracy theorists but you're thinking hang on boris you're setting yourself up here because all the places, like people going batshit crazy for McDonald's opening over here, mm. in, just in my town, which is not big. 
well, my city is technically a city, but it's about the size yeah, of the yeah. town. Um, um, they were queuing for an hour and a half to get a fucking get happy f- meal. Get the fuck out of here. And, uh, it, it's fucking madness to me, but like, yet yeah, those places can open, but the places that you can genuinely get fit, healthy, like, they're still, yeah. and, and they also, they're blanketing what a gym is as well. Like, if I was still running my gym, mm-hmm. I could quite easily massively social distance in my gym. I just have sure. two, cl- two clients and I stand at the other end of the room. <laughs> I go, and I'd still, and I'd still be within distance of no, knowing what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Of course. Yeah, that's, it's technically illegal right now for those places mm. to open. And it, mm. to me, it's, it's madness. It's like the whole situation is madness. I'm sure you've had it over with you, but telling somebody that I think the, the whole wording and a few of them could have just put their hands up and just go, we don't know. And a lot more yeah. people would have a lot more respect for that. Sure. Um, but well, because they- it's, it smacks of, you know, authoritarianism and kind of faking it until yeah. they make it. And I, d- I don't know. I, I touched on this with my, bro- with my brother on his podcast and cause it's more about he- uh, mental health. And I just said, do you know what I mean? And I'm not sure if this is an original thought or if I've heard it from someone like Michael or Mark. So I'm not going to say it's an original thought, but declaring somebody that works in something like a gym who's spent their entire career, however long that is, helping people and telling them that they are non-essential. That's got a ma- like massive, like, because when you, when you meet somebody for the first time, you tend to ask them what they do. Right. So you attach yourself to what you do. So if there's a, there's a big meaning to, to that. Hmm. Um, not stimulus that, but that, that yeah, title, I, that title, I am a strength coach. I am a masseuse. I am a chef. It's, it's a big onus on that in, in terms of your, your personality. And to be told that, well done, but you're not essential, so we don't require you. Right. So you're, uh, you know, you're negatively impacting a person's, you know, sense of self, you know, yeah. worth, and you know, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, everyone needs to be needed. So I think, uh, by and large, uh, so to to say to someone, okay, yeah, you and all you do, you are non-essential. You can kind of hang by the wayside until mm-hmm. you know we get all these people and their happy meals out of the way and you know get all these people crowding the pubs uh you know wait wait until they do their thing and and then you can provide your secondary service you know yeah it's i i don't know i've i've, I've never been one for politics but I, over the last sort of three months i have got sort of more of a disdain for it like i i, I see I, th- I think the the UK and the US mirror each other quite a lot, mm-hmm. and not for obvious reasons. But sure, I I mean you, I I find myself because I've like I said I've got this funny brain that st- tends to look at things slightly differently at times, but I can't help like I can't help but see Trump and Johnson as almost like the British American like almost identical equivalent of each other. Yeah, it's weird. But it's I, I, so weird when you see them both. 
like because I obviously I follow a lot of you guys over in the states, so I see the stuff that's being retweeted about Trump and stuff, and you read through, read through it, and you look at just just it, just on appearance, you go, they're the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how has this happened? Dude, I watch a lot of um, uh, British Parliament House of Commons stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. (laughs) I will watch it. Dude, I will watch these people speak for hours. Yeah. It's like, it's, they're speaking in the the proper kings, and I'm just like, yes, give it to me. (laughs) It's so so refreshing, because like most... Most people in the States uh, and certainly people in, in uh, American government, they, they have a, f- a fraction of the respect for, you know, spoken language mm-hmm. uh, as, uh, as you guys do over there. It is. Yeah. It's, it's um, but at the same time that, I mean, in some, some ways I should respect it a little bit more maybe what I find frustrating when you watch like the house of commons or there's a, there's a show over here. You, you might w- want to try and catch it's called question time mm-hmm. and it's uh, like a political debate and they'll have like sure. a, a, a panel. You've got a, a very well, sp- I forget the guy's name, very well spoken, long-term uh, jur- like political journalist who like sure. mediates it. And, but the crowd asks the questions they have oh, wow. like, un- underlying things that they, they discuss, but the crowd also come at them with questions and it's only since literally talking to you like then for that 30 seconds, I thought maybe you should just actually admire their ability to use their words to deflect and never answer a fucking question ever. <laughs> Look, the US politicians do that, you know, they, they speak circuitously and they never address the question, but who's the, who's the chair in the, in the house right now? Oh, I've got no idea. He's like a gruff-voiced man who. Uh, Let me check. Uh, yeah, he is absolutely captivating. Like <laughs> the honourable gentleman, you know that dude. I'm like, yes, that dude's. Uh, the right honourable Jacob Reese Mogg. He's fucking great. That dude <laughs> is great. Like, uh, and I know I'm, I'm definitely in the American minority here. You know, as someone who will sit captivated by, you know, uh, like eloquent orators. Mm-hmm. But man, that, you know, this dude will make point after point after point. And yes, okay, it's, it is a bit, uh, he's a bit verbose, but he he weaves language like in these like lilting braids that are just like, okay, yeah, feed me. (laughs) Give me me more. Uh, And it's also, um, it's also very interesting to see uh, the behaviors of, you know, uh, incensed members of the house when they're just like, they're they're just completely on fire and they, you know, they throw shade at each other and it's just Mm -hmm. so sick. I absolutely love it. And then, you know, people warring across the aisle. It's like, Mm -hmm. they they um, insult each other beautifully. It's great. Yeah. And that is quite, that is, it's funny because I was, I was having a conversation with my dad the other day when, because we, we'd seen uh, a bit of news that there was a meat processing factory in Germany that just like got riddled with COVID. So they've locked down that town or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, to me, this makes common sense, but obviously there's, there's more powers at play within politics. 
But I said, like, during the time when nobody knew what the fuck they were doing, which they still probably don't. Yeah. So I know you've got your Republicans and Democrats. Our two, our, our blue and reds, are yeah, yeah, the Conservatives and, and Labour. So, and, yeah, Labour Labour Party, and, yeah. And, and the Conservatives. They're the two main, they're the two that are, the only two that are going to win anything ever. Um, yes. And... I just said to my dad, I, what I can't understand, like this was a completely different situation to normal. Mm. Why didn't they just sit down and go, right, fuck, like our, our regular fuck party. Par- was, fuck, fuck partisan politics and let's, just work together. Let, right, we're obviously all very good at what we do. Mm-hmm. What, what should we do? And bounce sure. ideas off each other. Instead of like, you see, as, as you watch it, they'll be slamming each other. Like, it's, <clears throat> it's almost like a, a, a roast battle in, right. in like the most posh, roast battle of all time <laughs> and it, it speaks to people's inability to separate themselves psychologically from that which they I, they identify like the, you know their political party the, and to see themselves as a member of a team working towards a global common good yeah so people are people are very stupid and very short-sighted in that way yeah it's, it's a shame really because i think that between all of them just just in terms of the, the british isles as as a as an island, mm. they, they, I'm sure between all of those people, they could have come up with a way better solution than what actually happened. And something, fuck me everyone, if everyone. if a, if if something that's a lot scarier than this coronavirus comes about, this world is wow. like we, like let's fucking yeah, because uh, as you put it over there, you know we're right proper fucked. Yeah, yeah. So unless Cthulhu comes out of the ocean to destroy humanity, like you know, just get it over with. Like, stare at me first, please. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think it would be an interesting podcast to like take the most uh, interesting and positive and choice snippets from discourse in the house mm-hmm. and call it uh, common sense. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, that's brilliant. You thought yeah. was that a pre-thought thing? No, I just I just thought of it just now. I'm like, yeah, that'd be actually kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, so I got I got about 15 minutes before I have to start getting ready for work, pal. Yeah, so I I was just about to say start wrapping up in a in a bit anyway. Um, uh, I know you're a sci-fi aficionado, and uh-huh. I haven't spoken to anybody other than people I work with, and they can be quite biased. Thoughts on the ending to the Star Wars saga? Oh, I, I'm just going to take it for what it is, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I will employ your, your own statement. It's like the end of a chapter, not a book, because, mm-hmm. okay, it seems like there's, still more to come much like the the dune saga yeah you know like what what you see in in the book dune and the movie dune is only a, a blink of an eye in the expansive timeline of that universe yeah. you know we're talking like tens of thousands of years uh of a worth of story but then the, the fremen rebellion is is just a part of that story like paul atreides becomes muadib like that that's like a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things you know mm-hmm. it's uh so in the same way i'd like to think that you know episodes one through nine 
I mean, episodes four through nine. Because <laughs> one, one through three is a fucking shit show. Like, get away from me with that garbage. Like, okay, the lightsaber battles were were reasonable. Yeah. They were they were well choreographed, and I and I like Darth Maul very much, but because um, he's just seething with contempt. <laughs> I, I, so I think out of all the, uh, you know, if if I'm you know dark side minded, I, I will definitely identify with that tattooed freak. Uh, who I just, thought, I, he just wants to kill people. It's great. I know. I know. It probably made. I mean, try not to go off on too many Star Wars standard uh, tangents, but uh-huh. I find obviously because of the the wide market that they try and pitch such a huge movie to, certain characters got left behind, and Maul was definitely one of them. Like there okay. could have been so much more on Maul, and even Dooku. Dooku yeah, could've... like Maul, Dooku, and even Captain Phasma. Yeah. I would like to have seen her character more completely developed. Like, I, you know, I want to know more about her. Why is she the captain? Why is she yeah. so badass? Like, why is she shiny? Yeah, uh, how, how come she's shiny compared to everybody else? Um, right. But I, I was also in a fortunate position with... I was in a fortunate position with the first three. Well, one, two, and three. Uh-huh, yeah. Being that I was quite young when they came out. Mm-hmm. So that was my sort of exposure to Star Wars initially. I mean, I'd mm-hmm. seen the, 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 the original trilogy. Sure. Four, five, six. But, yeah. But I wasn't really that receptive to it. I was at an right. age where I was like, this is fucking cool. I mm-hmm. like lights. Mm-hmm. I, I like lightsabers. I like, I like all this. And then sort of then when I rewatched four, five, six, it was mm-hmm. more like, ah, I get it. it. And then Georgie was at an age when Ray first came onto the scene. Uh He was super excited about Ray. So I could get super excited about Ray (laughs) because I could see that George was getting into Star Wars and it was like, this is fucking cool. And she was reading comics. She she could tell you the backstory of so many characters. Yeah. Contagious enthusiasm. And so when the next ones were coming out, she was getting super excited. So it was like, ah, oh, cool. And like the guys that I work with, they, they all love Star Wars. So we get like the midnight viewing, mm-hmm. um, even though I always had to work the next fucking day at yeah, nine o'clock. Yeah, but you know, um, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. yeah um, and the only time that Georgie got really confused was when they brought out Rogue One mm-hmm. um, and Solo, mm-hmm. because I think she was about 10 nine or ten when that started happening and she was like i don't get it i'm i'm right. completely and you try and explain to her and she's like yeah but why didn't they just bring those out once they'd finished and i was like because oh, it's the movie <laughs> business george and they, they, they want to make as much money and people are interested in star wars at the moment so that's why that um but yeah she got a little bit confused with, with that sort of stuff but that's all right it becomes a teachable moment on you know the grand scheme of things like, yeah you know, uh, you know uh commerce and timing yeah, I to be honest, I didn't I didn't hate it. I feel like the last the last one though it was a bit like, fuck, we need to finish this. Let's just oh, I don't know, Palpatine will do. And then, <laughs> so, spoiler alert, but because I don't think right, that right. was I don't think that was always the narrative. I genuinely don't think that was always the the original thought of where Ray came from. I think they right. uh, the what was it the is it the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of fucked everything because I mean, The Force Awakens was all right visually; it was great at times. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Storyline wasn't perfect, but let's be honest: not many of the Star Wars storylines are fucking perfect. There's you well, can pick holes in any of them. 
But, yeah, um, I mean, uh, not not like you know, uh, plot holes you can drive a truck through. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, and I think that the the Last Jedi, the way that sort of took the story, I think they were trying to like pull it back. Fuck, fuck, fuck that one. But we can't delete it. Let's see what we could do you know people are actually asking about ray where she comes from she can't just be nobody blah 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 too obvious if we make her a solo or right. or a skywalker sure um and then to finish it with like i'm i'm ray skywalker it was a bit like uh, 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 uh all right hmm. okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, nah. but i liked okay. it i liked the film i liked seeing the characters i liked it you know like when the the force ghost would pop up or when you thought oh, yeah. you thought Chewie was had been shot out of the air and that was the first inkling that like I was like oh fucking hell they're gonna do it aren't they they're gonna make a a descendant of fucking Palpatine when the force lightning came out yeah yeah well uh, but, I mean I, look I mean I think they did the best they could with what they had to work with at the time so I can't really say much, yeah. you know, past that. I thought it was, it was visually a tremendous film. I thought that, you know, uh, throwing the millions and millions of dollars at the visual effects team will have that effect. So to yeah. Speak. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that, you know, the the final kind of standoff was was interesting. I thought the the choreography of the the fight, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the the lightsaber fighting was was very good. And I remember kind of looking back at episode four. And looking at the lightsaber fights comparatively, oh, and they're certain they're certainly less acrobatic, you know, yeah. and uh, you know less less intense. But they also have kind of a a subtlety to them, you know, when uh, when Obi Wan and Darth Vader had their final face off, you know, mm -hmm. but you know their their movements were, you know, so I mean, Sir Alec Guinness did did his did his damnedest, but like. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought that was okay. I mean, certainly no Qui Gon Jinn versus Darth Maul. That was absolutely yeah. fucking sick. Yeah. Um, but okay, you know, we can't ask for too much. I thought, you know, it's it's nice to celebrate the progression of of that, uh, you know, that story and how that story is told. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like, I I felt a bit bad for my friends that are like die, like some of them. They they can tell you about characters that I can't even. <laughs> right. Like, and I, I'm quite into Star Wars. Like, if, mm -hmm. if if I if I talk to any of my like the guys I used to play football with mm. about Star Wars, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Ah. But but the the guys that I work with now, they're like super into it, and they I think they they felt very let down, and I felt bad because I didn't really. I was like, "Oh well, it's just I'm I'm glad I just get to watch another bit of Star Wars." <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, well, what do you expect? Like, what what do people want? You know, do you want the plot twist at the end of the movie seven? Every movie you see, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, come on, man, just just watch the fucking movie and eat your popcorn and shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, Every, everyone's a fucking critic. Cool. Well, go go write your own ending then. Yeah, which I think is transferable to real life, right? You don't like the ending? Go write your own ending. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's a great place to stop the podcast, Rob. Oh, perfect, man. Um, listen, I'll, I'll let you know how I get on with uh, finding where this... I don't even know where this is recording to at the moment, but it is recording. Hey, man, you'll, um, you'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know. uh, I'll send you all over that. Um, 
And if you want to find Rob, it's uh, Lumen Ancestry on Twitter. Well, there was a few on Twitter I saw this. There's yeah, a, there's, there's a, a, there's a, a Rob Fusco with some letters behind your name that I was like, what's this? Was Rob oh, yeah. running for some political? No, nah, man. So I, I do um, a Dark Souls uh, themed Twitter. Yeah. You can find me um, at Dark Souls Clips. Yep. And that's basically like gaming, like video gaming, um, <clears throat> some chess, some poker. Yep. Uh, but, you know, primarily just like uh, video gaming and, and a lot of Dark Souls and Bloodborne stuff. Uh, so I run that. And then, you know, you can you can find me on Twitter at Lumen Ancestry. Uh, and, you know, I, if, if you want to reach out via email, it's easy. Uh, r-o-b-f-u-s-c-o at gmail.com that's that's probably the, the easiest way just to finish because I, I i need to know this how do you pronounce your surname oh i don't know yet you don't know yet <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, i mean it, the the traditional italian pronunciation is fusco Fusco, yeah. and, and i and I've, I've adopted that for a while but uh, my dad pronounces it fusco which is like this American bastardization of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> it's like, so let's, let's, the FU sound is like fusion, but let's make it Fusco. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, uh, I, I started pronouncing it Fusco once I started, you know, going to Italy and spending mm-hmm. a lot of, like, a lot of time there. Uh, but uh, I, you know, it, it, it is entirely irrelevant to me. Oh, yeah. How, it was just because I listened to, uh, obviously two different podcasts earlier and they both pronounced your name differently. And I was like, everyone does. And it's cool. I, I mean, just call you Rob. Just, yeah. Just call me Rob. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. That's that works. Cause you know, thankfully that's my name. All right. Nice one, man. It's great. Thanks for giving me your time. And um, thanks for popping my solo podcast virginity. Oh uh, dude. Cheers. I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking some time having uh all washed up wreck of a dude like me on your podcast. All right, man, let's do it again. Oh yeah. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'll look forward to your texts and, uh, and be in touch. I'm going to, I'm going to go get ready for work and take care of some people. I'll talk to you soon, bro. Okay, man. Peace out. Cheers. Bye.